All right. Well, good morning, everyone. How you doing? Today we're uh, continuing in a series on shaping the disciples. This is what Jesus did. He took some raw material, took people that uh, many of them think these guys were, were teenagers when they were first following the Lord. So 18, 19 is still a teen. They were uh, maybe in their early 20s, but they were, they were young men, several of them. They were raw material. You want to look around at some young men in here and say, they're a raw material. There's a lot of raw material there that Jesus wants to shape. And um, uh, so it was a very purposeful thing that he did. I mean, he, and he, he saw who they were. There was no denying. The, he, he could see into their hearts, but he also knew what he was trying to do. And so in this series of messages... What we want to do is, is for you to take a step forward in understanding how Jesus wants to shape you and also get some ambition, some desire for how you can shape others. And <clears throat> that we'll all take a step forward there. And today, we're going to be talking about the passage out of Mark chapter 10, where James and John have this extravagant request of Jesus, and he uh, uses that moment to teach his disciples something. He says some, some really important things about his own character, and he talks about, uh, I believe in that whole context, lays a foundation that allows them to receive value, receive significance in a way that they're striving for. And this is what's happening in in all of our lives, it's like we're, we're looking for something. We're trying to fill an empty place. We're trying to, to be valuable. We're trying to understand um, even the, the, the beauty that God's given us. That, that word uh, is something that it can touch us in a deep way. And Jesus understands every bit of that. In fact, he, he put that in you. He put this desire in you, and he knows how to meet it, and he knows the broken ways that we try to meet it. So let's read out of Mark chapter 10, 35. It says, James and John, the sons of Zebedee, came to him. Teacher, they said, we want you to do for us whatever we ask. Jesus replies, what do you want me to do for you? They replied, let one of us sit at your right and the other at your left in your glory. You don't know what you're asking, Jesus said. Can you drink the cup I drink or be baptized with the baptism I'm baptized with? We can, they answered. Jesus said to them, you will drink the cup I drink and be baptized with the baptism I am baptized with. But to sit at my right or left is not for me to grant. These places belong to those for whom they have been prepared. When the ten heard about this, they became indignant with James and John. Jesus called them together and said, You know that those who are regarded as rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them.
and their high officials exercise authority over them. Not so with you. Instead, whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant. And whoever wants to be first must be slave of all. For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Let me just pray. Lord, we, we thank you that, that you see us accurately. That allows us to be vulnerable, to drop our guard, and to uh, receive your love, and to receive your word. So I ask that that would be true today, that you would, you would melt us again. You would open us up, the warmth of your kindness and your true and pure character would open us up to, to your word and your will. In the name of Jesus, amen. Okay, so I'm going to walk through the story real quickly. The disciples were with Jesus. There may have been a few others around him, and they are walking toward Jerusalem, and they're not yet to Jericho, so um, they're, they're not going really fast. They're kind of walking and going to different villages, and James and John make a really amazing request. Will you do what for us whatever we ask? And it's interesting, Jesus didn't turn that around like, you know, wait a second. He did say, what are, you know, what is it that you want? And they made the request, we want to sit at your right and your left in glory. We want honor. We want position. We want significance. And Jesus said, you know, that's, that, there's actually a cost to that. That's kind of a heavy thing. There's, and you don't, you don't, know what you're asking. Are you able to drink the cup? Are you able to kind of pay the price for that? And they said, we're ready, born ready. And he said to them, yeah, you are going to pay that price. You will, you will suffer. And uh, it's, I think it's interesting, they're doing this not kind of off to the side, but the other ten are right there like, do you believe what they just said? Can you, uh, man, I'm going to be his right and his left. I want to be on both sides of him. How could they possibly, uh, they're indignant. And Jesus huddles them up. Okay, hey guys, guys, calm down. The way that the world does this is not how we do it. They lord it over people. Now, he's, he's referring to the Gentiles. So he's in, in that one situation. Those people, the way they treat people, that's not how we do it. If you want greatness, there's this desire in you for greatness that I put there. This is how you do it. You learn to serve everybody. You really learn how to put yourself in a place where you are not the one who's being served all the time. In fact, that's who I am. 
I didn't come to be served, but I came to serve. So let's, let's slow down a little bit more. What are James and John wanting? Well, number one, they want position. And it, it may be that they wanted position now. There was, because the disciples uh, in the first part of Acts, after Jesus is risen from the dead, are saying, are you going to restore the kingdom now? Is it going to happen? We went through this whole thing. Boy, that was hard. Are we getting it right now? And Jesus moves them toward, no, this, we've got to take this message out. Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, the uttermost part. So James and John, their, their motives may not have been great, okay? This is, might not have been the purest heart moment in their life. Uh, and the other disciples are mad. Why? Not because they're judging their character, because they want the same thing. They're wanting position, significance, value, importance, glory. Will you put us at your right and left in your glory? And the first thing that's significant to me is that Jesus does not rebuke them for saying this or asking this. And he doesn't shame James and John and step back and throw them under the bus and say, wasn't that stupid? Because he put this desire for glory in them. Put a desire for significance in them. He put tremendous value in them, and he wanted them to understand that. You are valuable. You have position. I mean, they're walking with him. They're living with him. They're like, what more could you want? But they're, they're not connecting the dots. Something inside of them is not seeing how really significant and valuable that they are. Psalm 8, 3 through 6, says this fascinating thing. This is, I believe it's a psalm of David. When I consider your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars which you've set in place... What is mankind that you're mindful of them? Human beings that you care for them. But you have made them a little lower than the angels and crowned them with glory and honor. You've made them rulers over the work of your hands. So he's saying about his disciples, he's saying about you right now. He's made you a little lower than the angels and he has poured glory and honor over you. His glory is on you. And it's, he's filling you with it. I have a friend named Steve Hawthorne, and he has this message called The Story of His Glory. And he says, the glory is... Now, I'll try to go this slow, and I'll repeat it a couple of times. Glory is the relational beauty that every person's heart yearns to behold and even to enter. It's the relational beauty 
that every person's heart yearns to behold and even to enter. It's essential worth, value. And, and uh, I think this, this word beauty, the men may not identify with this immediately, but uh, I'll just say, you want to be attractive. You want to be desirable. You want to, you have a desire that you would be pleasing. And that's how God made you. You can't repent from that and make it go away from you. you it's not a demon you can cast out of you. I don't want to feel the need for value. I don't want to feel the need for significance. I don't want to feel the need for beauty. Now, he's, he made you really so that what's in his heart and what's in your life would line up. That he sees you with great value. He sees you with beauty. And he wants you to agree with him. So, if God's put this glory in us, what's the problem? Well, the problem is the way we think we need to go about getting it. We're, we think it's the way up, and Jesus is saying it's the way down. Jesus called them together. You know that those who are regarded as rulers of the Gentiles lorded over them. And their high officials exercise authority over them. Not so with you. Instead, whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant. And whoever wants to be first must be slave of all. Yeah, the, the problem is often we're, we're chasing our tails. What do I mean by that? And again, it's like if you are wanting to be significant without realizing that you already are significant, you're crazy. I'm looking for something that I already am. I'm chasing and longing for this thing that maybe if I'll grab a hold of it, it'll be mine. And he's just saying, you're beautiful. Stop looking for this and receive it right now. You're, you are of great honor. I've put my value in you. Stop chasing around, trying to grab a hold of this. It's yours. Now, I've played this game my whole life, so I'm not... You know, I'm preaching to me right now. If you could see 20-year-old Mark, I'm walking with Jesus, but I've carried over a whole value system of selfish ambition into that walk with Jesus. Before, I just, I think one of my primary motivators was money. I wanted to make a lot of money, so I, so I kind of put the dots out here. That means I need to be a doctor. And therefore, I can buy my mother a Cadillac, and therefore, I can be loved. And, 
You know, I would not have told you that that directly, but if, you know, if you could look into my brain, you could just like, yep, that's exactly what's going on in this kid's head. He's looking for something. And the way to get that is money. And uh, maybe, I don't know, giving my mother a Cadillac, maybe that baptized it and made it all better somehow in my mind. Like, if I do that, then, you know, I'm a good boy. But when I started pursuing the Lord, I, I was born with a, a lot of energy. We didn't have diagnoses for all the energy I had when I was a child. <laughs> but I had a lot of energy. Some of you might be able to imagine that. And uh, I wanted to do something with all of that. And so when I started following the Lord, I went after it. And there was a purity and sincerity in it. But then it kind of got all garbled up into a place where I thought, I want to be a famous Christian. I want to be on television and radio. I want to write books. I want to be really important. I want to get a hold of this thing and have some value. You know, I want, this is a long time ago. Today, it was like, I want at least a million YouTube followers. No, 10. Casey Neistat, forget you. I'm, I'm more important, you know. Where I want a whole bunch. He's a YouTube guy. Maybe everybody else in this room knows that, but, but uh, anyway. So it's just like, I'm looking for something. And it, the effect on me was I would bump into people at, at times that I perceived as being important, and I was just like a... <clears throat> Love me. Value me. I just felt so vulnerable because they were important. And if, if, I, if they could do something or say something, or that would meet my need maybe. But it, it never did. But that kept doing it, you know. <laughs> The, but that is the definition of uh, one of the definitions of insanity is keep doing the same thing and expect different results. I just kept looking for this value. You know, uh, it, it's, a, it's a funny thing, but we, even as believers, we can look out at the world and this is an excellent thing. This is where we all should be. But we see needs in the world. Gaps, poverty, injustice, oppression, sickness, depression, loneliness. But if you get caught up in the process of becoming the answer to that in order to eventually be valuable... It just spirals downward. One sign of that is you're exhausted. You're burned out. But Jesus intended us to be the answer <laughs> to these things. He, 
He turned around to his disciples and he said, you are the light of the world. You are the salt of the earth. I'm going to put flavor out there through you. I'm going to bring light through your life. But you got to receive it. You don't just kind of get an attaboy and go off in your own strength. I see a, a picture of, of Joseph in the Old Testament similar to this, that he, uh, he had a dream of how valuable he could be, how significant he could be. And, uh, you know, you, you, you think, surely you understand what you're doing, Joseph. You know, I see the sun, the moon, all these stars, and they're bowing down to me. What do you think it means? There's 11 stars, and I've got 11, you know, what do you think it means? He, he, it was the Lord. It was God putting value in him. But he was not cooked yet. And when Jesus was talking to these guys and saying, you have a great desire. There's dreams God's put in your heart, but you don't know what the cost is. Joseph didn't know what the cost was for delivering an entire nation from starvation and, and maybe providing for all the nations long outside of it. The cost was he became a slave, and that wasn't quite enough to cook him, so he went to jail. God's processes in Joseph to bring him to glory were going down not up. And we, this is a time where we go, God, what's wrong with you? You promised me. I have a prophecy. You're going to do something big in my life. Why is everything going bad? And he says, I'm taking you down so that I can work my glory in you. I'm not taking you down I'm taking you down. <laughs> taking you way down in here. Way down inside. Touching things that you didn't know needed to be touched. Because you're, you're doing good things. But you're doing it in order to get your own needs met. And you don't realize, you don't love in order to be loved. You love because you're loved. You don't give in order to get. You've already received it so that you can give. And this, that little fine line is a big deal in our lives. And, you know, we, we really wish that we would could fix that one and it never go away. But uh, so it was written in the Bible so we could go back to it again and again. You know, remember these things. So Jesus goes on, don't be like the rulers of the world who are pushing others down. 
in order to get significance and value and beauty. You will become great in the eyes of God when you learn to serve others and give them value. So, what are the... Said, Jesus said, the, the rulers of the Gentiles, the rulers of this world, what do they do? They lord it over people. They, uh, um, so they kind of maintain a level of control to keep people down. And so I, this is a, a phrase <clears throat> that... Um, it's important to me, and I'm, I'm, I'm going to say it, and then I'll try to explain it. I heard this first from a guy named Jack Hayford many years ago, and he would say, we don't, we don't want, our goal is not to build a big church. Our goal is to build big people. So in the world, if you're important one way you go about that is by making other people around you smaller. Push them down. Here's, here's how you can know that you're trying to make other people smaller. It's called jealousy. Comparison. They're successful, and that threatens you. Other people being blessed means you're less than. So, your, your value is not rooted in what Jesus says about you because you're not able to celebrate when other people get honors and rewards and significance. And the answer is not to push hard or jump faster, undermine them. It's not, we don't do this like the world does it, Jesus said. He said, if you want greatness, again, he's not saying, don't want to be great. Don't look for significance. Don't look for value. Don't, don't desire beauty. It's not what he's saying. He's saying, if you want to be great, here's how to do it. Become a person that makes other people big. Become a person that makes other people significant. Become a person that makes other people valuable. Become a person that makes other people whole. Bring other people to salvation. Help people. Now, he, he uses a phrase in here in our, in our language that can be confusing. Whoever wants to be first must be the slave of all. Now, first of all, what is a slave? A slave is someone who is property of somebody else. They're owned by somebody. And you can't be the slave of all. You can't be everybody's property all at the same time. You're not omnipresent. And you can't do what everybody else wants you to do all the time. Okay? 
And we, we get this perception of authority and submission that's get all twisted up. Sometimes we imagine authority kind of like children imagine authority. When I'm big, I'm going to make all the rules. I'm going to stay up late and watch whatever I want to watch and eat cookies. Yeah? It's like, I'm going to have it my way when I get big. You won't be the boss of me anymore. But actually, parents, uh, have this understanding that, that being big and having little people around you is not freedom. Clark, what did you say? You're 23. You, you said to me one time, you called our... Oh, he said, I can't remember the context. Clark is a young man living in our house, four small children. He's, he's babysitting our kids, and he, he said something about... He called our children little anchors. Yeah, I, yeah. he said, I don't, I don't know that I want to have children. I don't know that I want to be surrounded by a bunch of little anchors. Man, now you've got total freedom, Clark. <laughs> See, the reality is the more authority we grow in, the more responsibility we have. The more glory that's in you, the more God is holding you accountable to give that to others, to make them valuable. So you're actually... A slave of righteousness is one, one phrase that Paul used. So, what do we do with this? I just want to say, we need to look for ways to make other people big. That's what discipleship is. To help shape people's lives is thinking, first of all, you got to see who they are. Who is this person? And if you move into discipleship and all you're doing is thinking about yourself, I wonder if I'm a good discipler. I wonder if they like me. I wonder what's going on here. I wonder if I'm important enough to do this. What's going on? You're not thinking about them very much. And just turn that, you know. Let go of it. You are valuable. You're significant. Believe it or not, you know, it was, it's, college is one of those interesting times where if you're just two years older than somebody, you're like, you're big. <laughs> A sophomore looked at me and said nice things the other day. And, you know, it's, it's funny, but it's true. We, we give great value to people, and you don't realize... You're valuable. You can speak into their lives and say something deeply significant. When we're leading life groups, this is, you're giving value to people. You're building community. You're giving them a connection, and you're, you're just saying, hey, you're in. I want, you're, on the, you're in the in crowd. You're in the middle of this. 
It's so, you know, what are you doing? What's your program and all that? Number one, you're giving value to people and you're saying you're in. That's what's happening in life groups. We need to... This is in, in our worship time, in your prayer times, what you're doing is you're, you're receiving that value that God has for you. Your goodness is running after me. You are you're going to tackle me and throw your goodness on me no matter what happens. I don't think I'm attractive, but you do. Jesus is saying this about his, his own character. He's saying, I did not... The, we, we have to recognize the character of God. It's the first response. God himself says, he didn't come to be served. It, it doesn't make sense. But we see it in the life of Jesus. He did that... Time in, in, in John chapter 13, he did the most lowly thing you could do. He, he was in a room with his disciples, and he washed their feet. That's what the servants did. And so he lived this out in his actions and his attitudes, and he, he just did things to constantly say, you are valuable. So number one, in our worship, in your time, you receiving what God says about you and his value, that's humility. You saying, God, thank you for this face. Can you say that in your prayer times? Can you say, God, thank you for this face? Not my face, your face. Can you, can you thank him for your appearance? Thank you, Lord, for how you made me. Thank you for this mind. Some of you are, see, the comparison thing is going, I can't, I'm not, look at that person and this person, and I'm not enough. When you do that, you're undermining, undermining your ability to serve. You're undermining your ability to look at and focus on others when you're, all, when you're comparing yourself with them, when you're running down what God is, how he's made you and who you are. Repent. Stop doing that. And just, how do you do it? You don't, it's what you are doing. You give value to others. So we, we see... God's character, and we see what he's done for us, and we just, we just thank him for it. And it's, it's humbling, isn't it? Like, wow, you love me. You, you put your glory in me. Thank you, Lord. I want us to all stand up together. I'm going to pray. And we'll, 
We're going to do a, a, have a prayer time in just a minute, specifically in praying for the students that are heading out on spring break trip. But I, I want you to just act on that right now. Say, Lord, I, I want you to express gratefulness. <laughs> Thank you for making me me, Lord. Thank you for... I just want to thank you for my appearance. I want to thank you for the mind you've given me. I want to thank you for the abilities you've given me. Just do that right now. This is you acting. This is being humble. Thank you, God, for what you've done. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you for your kindness to me. Thank you for your generosity to me. You've been so good, Lord. Lord, we, we ask that you would make us into a people who love because we're loved, not loving in order to try to get something. Make us into a people that really see how amazing the people around us are and speak to it and bring it to life and affirm it. I do pray that every, every lie would be exposed, Lord. These accusations, these lies that come that to try to get some sort of a score between us and other people. We, we say no to these things, Lord. And we say thank you instead. If you've never received the love of God, you need to do that right now. If you've never been in a place in your life where you've said, Jesus Thank you for being who you are and making me who I am. Lord, come, have my life. I need you to, to fill me. Then I just want you to do that right now. Jesus, I desperately need your love. Come and do that in me. I need, I need you to tell me who I am. Speak deep into my life, Lord. Show me who I am. Show me who you are. Be be who you are in my life. Be creator God. Be the one who knows all. And show me, Lord. Open up my eyes to see. That's a first step, or it's the next step for many of us, just kind of going back to that place again and again. And uh, uh, So we're going we're gonna to worship with one song in just a moment. I want you to sit down right now, because we want to pray for... Uh, the college team that's heading out to D.C., come on up here. Jonathan. So what they're, they're going to do is they are carriers of the glory of God. They're carriers of healing and salvation. They're carriers of good news and hope and deliverance, 
and they're giving it to people. There's a church that is an Antioch church in D.C., and uh, they probably will go to the Smithsonian sometime during the week. Uh, and but there's going to be uh, significant times of intercession. Actually, the uh, Antioch in D.C. has worship on the mall. There's a prayer tent on the the mall in D.C. and and um, that's where they meet. It's kind of a cool thing. So. Um, Let's pray for him. Some of you come up here and gather around him. And just speak right now. Just these things that I said, it's true. You are carrying the glory of God. You're carrying his power and significance and value. Show them, Lord, messengers of your great significance, Lord, of your love. Blessings over them. You know what happens again and again as we extend ourselves to other, there are accusations that come. You're not enough, and we just Say, thank you, Lord. <laughs> you are enough. You are enough, Jesus. It's what you've done, not what we've done. Every place where they, they care for others, Lord, come and be the center of their, all those interactions. We put you in the center, Lord. The people would be drawn to you, be aware of you. They'd see who you are and what your love is. And lead them not into temptation, Lord, but deliver them from evil. Pour your life into them. We, we set you aside for this ministry that you'll, you'll be discipled and you will be a disciple of others during this time. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's all stand together. We're going to end with a song. you to stand if you're not standing. We're just going to lift Jesus up and give him glory um, for all that he is. And you alone are faithful. Only you are good. And when the storm surrounds me, Holding on to you And none is greater Than Christ our Savior And to you be the glory Forever